0: Should
1: I should I should I get bangs should I should I should I get bangs Hello and welcome to Should I Get Bangs I am your host Julia Razi and this is the very first episode of the show I am so excited this is finally happening. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I'm also so excited that you've chosen to listen. So thank you for being here. And I'm also so excited about my first guest. It's Chris Garcia. He is not only a wonderful comedian and writer, he is a fantastic human being. He's been on The James Corden Show. He has a beautiful podcast called Scattered that I highly recommend you listen to. And we had such a great conversation, so I really hope you enjoy it. This is an exciting time. I mean, I don't know if we don't have to talk about it, but we're both... I'm a new parent. You're about to be a new parent. Any day now. Any day. It's... Wow. How do you feel?
0: I feel crazy. Like, I feel like today I was walking with Val out. We just went for a walk because you're supposed to, like, walk a lot to get it moving, and I was, I had this, I was like, holy shit, have I been naive about what we're going to get into all of a sudden? Like the whole time, I'm like, oh, it's going to be so cute and fun. Not oh, like yeah. it's going to be a diarrhea fest for like the next three months or whatever. Just like a poo yeah. and milk. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so uh, I'm starting to get, I'm, and I'm starting to have weird dreams. Like um, I dreamt that the baby was born with clothes on, um, <laughs> like fully cloaked and i was like i was like what the hell and the doctor was like oh it happens it's just it doesn't happen that frequently and then the doctor handed over a certificate and um it had the a baby the baby's name on it which was not a name that we even agreed on like it, it like or even discussed uh, Wait,
1: in the dream the doctor said oh that happens
0: yeah he's like oh that's normal it's perfectly normal and I was like, oh, okay. In my dream brain, I was like, oh, yeah, duh, duh, totally. I bet you it's just one of those things that people don't really talk about. And then he was like, oh, here's Lily Ryder. And I was like, what fucking name is Lily Ryder? And then Val was like, I don't know. I just wrote something down. And oh I was like, oh my God. And, I, and then I was like, uh, what's the, um, I was like, it's okay. We'll change it. And the doctor's like, I'm sorry. It's too late to change. <laughs> and so I'm starting to have like anxiety dreams.
1: Oh shit! Wait one one quick thing. Your yeah. mic keeps oh, hitting your shirt. Okay. Yeah, if you don't mind, or you can just kind of like you know, okay. whatever. Um, yeah, I will. I don't know if this is going to happen to you. Maybe it will. But so when your sleep starts to get all messed up because of the baby, I mean, my dreams have been outrageous. I just started keeping a notebook next to my bed and writing them all down. They're mostly and I'm sure this is pandemic related too, but they're all about feeling trapped. So I'm like on a crowded subway. I'm out. There's one where I'm like trapped in an orgy. Like that was like, there was no sex that happened. I was just like trapped. And they're you all, participating. I wasn't participating. I was just trapped. And it's so funny because I'm trapped in crowded places. And I'm sure part of it is like feeling trapped because of the pandemic and you're kind of like trapped at home with your kid, even though it's amazing. But then I'm also like, I wonder if it's anxiety about when the pandemic is over just because in all these dreams, I'm like, get away from me.
0: (laughs) Totally. It's so weird to like, like it's taken over our, our minds a little bit and it's, it's like a trauma that we have now. I was I will watch TV. I was watching Mad Men the other night and I was like, Don, why don't you have a mask on? Oh you're, yeah. you are in New York City. Like yeah. I was like, oh no, like I'm just like permanently, we're all permanently kind of screwed from this thing. Maybe.
1: What if in, what if instead of clothes your baby came out wearing a mask?
0: Oh man, that would be that's <laughs> a bummer. I mean it's good that she's <laughs> She's on the right, you know, she's on the right track, you know. Yeah, just stay,
1: just stay six feet away from your child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you have a great story about when you were very young with your sister, who's a lot, you, you and your sister have a huge age difference, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, 12 years.
1: Okay, cool. And you have one sibling? That's
0: it, just my older Okay.
1: Sister. And so what happened?
0: So um, we're on the, we're on the, it's okay, so... Here's the backdrop of the story. We're around the same age. And you and I? Up, yeah, you and I. Yeah. Grew up in like the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I grew up here in Los Angeles in the 80s. And it was kind of a weird time because my parents, who are awesome, are really hardworking, but I was a latchkey kid. And so I was a la- one thing was that my parents worked all the time. So sometimes they weren't home when I got home and my sister took care of me a lot after school so i would see her and stuff and also um there was this weird things going on in la like the night stalker was going on and oh my it, God. It, was, it was like a thing where people were like richard ramirez was in inglewood last or like there like it was like a thing and so i was just like a little 7 8 year old kid and the night stalker around uh there's i don't know if you had this did you grow up in massachusetts is that I did Um, I don't know if you had this urban legend like we had in LA, but um, that there was a blue kidnapper van that was like a baby blue kidnapper van that everyone was like, it looks like the one from uh, the from who's the boss, like
1: the opening credits, which I should have. No, but my dad had a baby blue van.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh! You know, it an Italian thing like a, the Danzas, yeah. the Rossies, all have to? My have.
1: dad is Tony Maselli. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but there's all this weird stuff, and I think I just watched my first Nightmare on Elm Street, and so I was kind of like a scaredy cat kid because of all this stuff that was going on. And uh, when I was eight years old, my um, my sister was twenty, and she got married, and so she. You know, she moved out and I had shared a room with her my entire life. And all of a sudden, I was like alone in this room and I would get really scared at night. Like, I always thought some sort of boogie monster was going to happen. I had a dream that, uh, no, I didn't have a dream. I saw a shadow in the closet and I swore it was the Pope for some reason. I was like, the Pope is hiding in the closet, which I don't know what kind of weird. what that means. <laughs> but like, I would like I some Catholic school guilt that I had to like, there's all sorts of weird stuff going on in my head and my sister moves out. And so in my head, I'm like, well, my sister's a person that's always helped me um, with school and stuff. So maybe if I become suddenly very bad at school, she'll like, come help. Me. My parents will be like, can Laura, can you tutor Chris again? So, the plan that I had, and it was probably to get attention to, but I completely pretended to forget the number two. Like I was like, in, in school, I was like, you know, uh, 1, three, four, five, six, seven, 11, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, uh, 30, 31, 33, 34. Like no number two. I did not acknowledge it. I was like, you know, I, I don't know it. I don't know the number two. Like, I don't know how to draw it anymore. And I think- That
1: is a wild scheme to come up with at girl.
0: <laughs> I know. And I think it's because when, so my parents, for me to go to this Catholic school in a nicer neighborhood, we had to lie about where we lived, which is Inglewood, which is not a great neighborhood. And so they lied. They got someone else's address. And they lied for me to go to this Catholic school. But in order to go to the school, I had to pass some sort of assessment test. And I couldn't skip. Like, that. like I was just like, I couldn't skip or write the number two. And so they were like, to my parents, they're like, he can't skip. And that's not good. And he can't write the number two. So if he works on those things over the summer, we'll let him in.
1: Skip, like physically skip? Yeah,
0: they like did a physical diagnostic to make sure my coordination was right. It seems like some like I'm not allowed to do these days. Yeah, weird stuff. You know, it's yeah. like they let you do that. Um, So my my dad was like, OK, Laura and my sister, you take the number two and I'll teach Chris how to skip. And so and they you were like
1: draw the number two. It was.
0: Yeah, I couldn't like make the loop or I couldn't make the little and so I was like I'd make a circle or I like I just struggled because I I had like little learning disabilities and like, you know, and I was left handed. And I don't know, I was all screwy up there. I wasn't like, um, just like ready for school or I just wasn't good at certain things.
1: Did you uh your parents were both so my parents are also immigrants? Yeah. And I also had little things like that too, where they weren't like, I guess they weren't strong enough to be considered learning disabilities, but they were kind of like, hey guys, do you teach your kid anything? Like that kind, <laughs> like it was sort of that vibe. And in retrospect, I almost wish they I can't like think of a specific, but like, you know, I would I would get a poor grade, and instead of them, you know, maybe putting me in a special class or giving me more time, they just were like, "Yeah, like get her a workbook." Do you know? <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm like, but my parents uh, don't talk to me unless they're screaming in another language. <laughs> yeah, and so
0: and they don't know the rules here. They, don't yeah. know, they they don't have access to things. They don't know that it's okay to see a tutor, and it's not like yeah. a shameful thing on on your family, you know? And my dad would do the same thing. Like if I got a bad grade, he was like, okay, well write down everything in this book. Or like, he'd make me like write down like a chapter of some random book. And I would just write down the words. I'm like, what the
1: fuck is that? they are both from Cuba, right? We're both
0: from Cuba. And, uh, my mom didn't really go to school past junior high, but my dad's like super smart and educated, but yeah,
1: my mom didn't go past junior high either. She didn't have to.
0: Yeah. And, but I think also just the, they're just working so hard to keep the family going and to like live this American dream that they were like, I don't know, uh, write down. I, one time my dad was like, copy this calendar, like a wall calendar. And so I was like, no. making squares and writing numbers. I was like, what the fuck's the point of this? And so
1: um, <laughs> he just wanted you to leave him alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. They're like, Get the fuck. Hey, go with her, man. I don't know. You'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so um, I think maybe somewhere rattling in my head was like, okay, the number two. I'm bringing it back, baby. <laughs> like, I'm going to mess up the number two. And now I'm just going to forget it all together. So, and then wow. on top of that, I would only read one side of a of a book. So I would read the right side of the book. I think it was the right side of the book, not the left side of the book. So I would just like read a book and then like flip the page, not read the left side, only meet the right side. And there was a number two. I wasn't reading that page. So like... This
1: is very genius for a child. (laughs) You know, I had
0: strengths and weaknesses apparently. (laughs) But it was weird. And my teachers were like, I don't know, dude. And so, you know, they bring my parents in and my parents are working to put me in this Catholic school. And it's just a meager Catholic school. It's not a fancy one. It's just a neighborhood Catholic church with, you know, 25 kids to class. And for us, it was fancy. And my parents were paying for it. So they were like, and you know, the stinks are high when you're, you know, the first American kid in the family. So I yeah. was like, oh, my, what the hell? You know, my parents are like, write the number, too. And I was like, oh, I don't know it. And just like played dumb. And so they're like, you know, we're reading books. And I was like... I, oh yeah, I didn't understand. I didn't get that part of the book. <laughs> I'm just, I'm only reading this side. And um, so it goes on, my my uh, grades are real bad. And that's like, in my dad's eyes, he was like, like that's not good. And so my dad's like, okay, I'm going to take you to this learning center that I heard about. And it wasn't like Kumon or something, but it was some like random learning center in a strip mall. And it was called the Nadeo Clinic, I think. Oh, no. do they have to pay for it? They had to pay for this. So the is oh. just getting higher with the more money. And I know. I
1: know. But I didn't. I was alone. I was lonely oh. and scared, you know? And you know what's I so sad is like, and I don't know if this is, you know, a way that kids are raised, or if it was because of the 80s, or because you're a guy, like, I don't know what it is. But imagine the trouble that would have been saved if you simply said, I miss my sister.
0: I know. I just, I didn't, I wasn't emotionally mature enough to say that. Or maybe I did, and they blew it off or something. Yeah, who knows? And I think maybe their generation isn't exactly, you know, uh, my dad would mostly just like, be quiet about it. Right here, I'm like, talking to his boss in the shower or <laughs> like you know but i don't think yeah. he'd ever like share his like big emotions or how oh, he's feeling yeah. with me and maybe my parents did in private but like i to me it didn't compute and it's probably not their fault i should have just been more forthright about missing my sister and how I felt, but I didn't know how to express myself to them about this.
1: You're also eight, so I think you can cut yourself some slack for not being emotionally <laughs> mature. I just mean, in general, like, I'm just curious if that's... Because I do feel like the 80s, and again, maybe it was just the way I was raised, but I do feel like the 80s, there was sort of this vibe of like, ah, eh, get over it. Yeah, you know, totally. Whereas now, it's there's a little bit more gentleness training, I feel like. I don't know.
0: Yeah, now now it's like really nice for kids, but then I feel like, (laughs) you know, people are very gentle and, you know, you draw your feelings out or whatever. Uh (laughs) But then I feel like it was like I feel like I was just after the generation that if you were left-handed, they were tired arm to your leg and make you right with your right hand. Like, I feel like I just escaped that and was in the next generation after that, you know?
1: Yeah. That's so weird about the left-handed thing too, because I, so my sister's left-handed and I, I guess that was fine, but then I'm right-handed, but I do a lot of stuff with my left. Like my chiropractor was like, Oh, it you almost seem like a kid that was maybe a little bit of both. And your and your parents or your teachers just sort of pushed right wow. on you. So it kind of affected my like hands a little bit. But and I was like, oh he goes, he goes, did your parents force you to use your right? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he goes, oh yeah, that's like a thing. Like a lot of people go to my chiropractor because their parents forced them to be righties when they were lefties, I guess. Or I don't know if a lot of people go to him, but it's a common thing that oh that, that chiropractors see of people who should have been left handed. That's yeah. so
0: crazy. Being left-handed is the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Like it's so unique and it's so I don't know. Being left handed is dope. It's just a little different. And yeah. it's like not common. And I'm I'm proud of it. And my my dad was left handed too, but I just like I immediately notice when someone's left-handed. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. left I never noticed when people are right-handed, but it's so weird that anyone would want to be like, that's the devil's hand. Yeah. <laughs> you must learn the other way or whatever.
1: Um Oh wait, one second. Sorry. It's oh, so sorry. Again, it keeps sorry. hitting your shirt. Would you is it annoying for you to just like Yeah, I can
0: hold it like this. Hold,
1: I'm so sorry. No,
0: no problem. I should know better. Okay.
1: No, it's okay. I'm not gonna shame you about your left hand. Okay.
0: Um so, my parents, my dad takes me to this learning clinic, and all I remember was that the guy who kind of looked like um, Kenny Rogers, it was like a white guy in a lab coat, you know? And uh-huh. so, <laughs> this kind of all, did, my dad was like, okay, it's official. Yeah. <laughs> a white guy in a lab coat, I believe this guy. Um, <laughs> that's all he needed. And I go to this thing, and they give me some assessment tests, and I'm like, still like, I don't know the number two man. Like I'm just like in, like in this man's face. My parents are paying. I don't know how much for me to see this guy. And then he gives me a series of tests and then he's like, okay, um, I think I know. And then he'd give me these flash cards and stuff or it'd be like uh, – he'd just like flash these things real fast in front of my face and I would have to identify whatever was on the flash card quickly. So he'd, I'd be like, dinosaur, uh, baseball. And he'd put the number 12 and I'd be like, one. Nice I try. I
1: can't believe, and you never you never broke the bit.
0: Not yet. I had it. And I, cause I was wow. like, I was like, uh, well, this is when I was like, this is starting to get serious now yeah. that I'm going to see this guy. And then he did the flashcards and then he sent me, I don't know what kind of 80s voodoo this was. But he sat me on a Lazy Susan, like the thing that you have in the middle of a table at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And I sat my little fat ass down on this Lazy Susan. And this guy would spin me around one direction and another direction. And he would have me like do flashcards. And then um, didn't prescribe like Ritalin or anything like that, but some sort of like multivitamin and uh for me to take and my dad was like i completely trust this man so i'll take whatever horse pill and then like the pill is too big and i would choke on it so my parents had to pulverize this thing and then i would drink it with orange juice and then my and then i'd like spin around and like almost like like it was so crazy and so after a couple sessions my dad's like hey we can't afford this you know but (laughs) he's like but my dad this is this is where I'm like oh man I gotta end this soon my dad could not afford this so he went to Home Depot and he bought wood and he got his tools out and he made his own lazy Susan for the house so Wait. my dad like <laughs> My dad's like a m- mechanically super inclined super smart guy and yeah. Cubans just make anything and like Cubans are just so savvy at having to make stuff. So my dad just made his own lazy susan.
1: Wait, okay, I I have to just the visual of this is so bizarre. So you pretended you couldn't recognize the number 2. Yeah. So the solution yeah is to place a child on a lazy <laughs> Susan yes, and spin them around and show them flashcards. Yes.
0: Like he thought I was dyslexic or like, I don't know if he was trying to spin me back oh. like in Superman, like, or trying to turn the, the, the space time continuum backwards. So I could remember the number two. I don't know what the point of this was or what exactly he diagnosed me with. Like, I, I don't know if it was ADHD dyslexia or whatever other strange um, learning disability that, but this is what he thought would help me. So my dad makes this thing. He goes to home Depot. It's made out of plywood or whatever. He puts it on, he puts it on the carpet of our living room and I'll never forget this. I was too fat to spin because like the thing sinks into the, and so my dad would take me into the, he took me into the garage and just like spun me around. And like pretty soon after that, I was like, dad, the number two is back. (laughs) Like, I was just like, um, wow. Like I was sick and I was sick of spinning around and my dad doing this. And I probably felt guilty knowing that I was like, had this whole charade going on. And I just comp- then I was just like, oh, um, hey, l- hey, wow, I'm reading normal again. And I never thought to ask uh, my dad this, but I could ask my mom, like, if my dad is playing chicken with me.
1: Oh, because did he have flashcards?
0: Yeah, he did flashcards. He did all this stuff. And I remember it would be like, some of them would be like a circle with dots in it. It was just like weird random flashcards. I don't remember exactly. I should look up Lazy Susan <laughs>
1: therapy. I feel like this has probably been outlawed. Uh, this does not sound like a great idea.
0: In my head, it, he probably looks like the that Trump doctor with the long hair and the, <laughs> the beard. Oh, like, yeah. like, like a pretend, <laughs> pretend doctor. Um, but... So then I just was like, oh, okay, and then I just was like, okay, at school again. Like I just, I remember I got most improved, and there was like a ceremony at the school, and uh, I got an award. Like it was like a whole thing, but I, I don't know if I should talk to a therapist about this or something. But like I don't know if maybe pulling this stupid stunt actually. I got the attention of my dad, you know, or I got the attention of my parents while my sister was gone. And maybe that made me feel safe.
1: Wow. Okay. So I have, okay. I have quite a, there's a lot to
0: unpack here.
1: No, I'm apologizing. This is, I, 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 and I, I welcome unpacking. Um, I, well, so first of all, was it because if, okay. So you were scared to be in your own room. I was just
0: kind of scared and I was scared that my sister left. So I missed her and I, I think I was scared to be in my own room. I hated nighttime. Like yeah. I hated nighttime. Okay, I had a, so, I had a nightlight and all that stuff.
1: So I this is so I feel like you are the male version of me in this way because so I my sister is only 4 years older. We shared a room up until I was in 2nd uh, grade because we had like a two bedroom house and then we moved to a three bedroom house. And most kids would be like, sweet, got my own room. I was devastated, devastated. And the setup of my house, like so the way, like you go down a hall, my sister's room was to the right. And then at the end of the hall was like my room straight ahead. And then my parents just to the left. So you could literally have a foot in my parents' room and a foot in my room. You know what I mean? Like if you did a split across yeah. the hall, they weren't far. Yeah. Also, nobody closes doors in my house. Uh, I don't know if it's like this weird, like, what do you need privacy for? What do you gotta hide? Like it's yeah. so there's no boundaries. It's I didn't I didn't learn until I was older that it was okay to be like, I need privacy. <laughs> Me either. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's so and and so I do wonder if some of that, like no privacy, being on top of each other, added to this fear of being alone. And so when I started sleeping in my own room, I would have nightmares. I would every now and then I would get so scared to be alone in my room I would throw up. Wow. Like I would Wouldn't get you just
0: that because you'd get just, that physically anxious. I,
1: I would get that and I I now as an adult understand that was anxiety so you know maybe it was also about Other things in the home, I don't know, but it manifested in that way. So my mom often would sleep, like stay next to my bed. This is when I'm like eight years old, nine years old, until I fell asleep. She was very sweet about it. I had a mirror at the end of my bed, like a full-length mirror. And I was convinced that there were things in the mirror looking at me and like all this stuff. And I would constantly go climb into my sister's bed. And like it was such – an issue for me. But, but at the same time, I would also fuck with myself. And, um, back then, you know, there was like VHS, was it not VHS, uh, U, UVF channels. And what is it like?
0: VHF or something? It was two. Yeah. Different- like there was,
1: yeah, there was like NBC, CBS, but then there was like 56 and 25 oh, yeah, were like yeah. random channels. Well, channel 56 in Boston, I think every Monday or Tuesday would play a horror movie. Mondays, I think, was like porkies and like dirty movies. And like Tuesdays was like horror movies. And I had no rules when it came to TV or bedtime. It was like a free-for-all in my house. Same. And snacks. I I, I would like Same. literally be eating like a log of salami watching like, <laughs> watching like the Revenge of the Nerds horrible rape scene and like, no one cared.
0: Same. It's yeah. so crazy. Really lawless.
1: And, yeah, it was lawless. <laughs> and my friends who had like rules, they were like, I have to ask for a cookie once a week. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> but then again, their parents also did things like ask them how they were feeling. But, um, <laughs> so, you know, whatever. But. Anyways, I would watch these horror movies and I knew that I they would fuck me up. And then those were what would make me like puke before I went to bed. And I would like get any, I would, I would figure out any which way that I could sleep with my sister. And like, I don't know. So I just really, I didn't do anything to, to like lie to get any, but I guess maybe what you're saying, because my mom did spend like a half hour, an hour every night at my bedside, which was like. This attention, I guess, I never even thought of the attention aspect of it.
0: I mean, obviously, attention is something for us if we're comedians now.
1: <laughs> like, yes, that's very true. But this, but, but this desperate fear of being uh, alone in a room, like I I, I, I was also very scared of. Um, whenever on the news they would show police drawings, yeah, of criminals, yeah. Oh, that would freak me out. <laughs> Like the this,
0: composite sketch. This is so crazy that this is exactly the same. Like I had the same thing where I was like, I could watch whatever TV I wanted at any time. Like I was just watching, I watched the Porkies, like Porky stuff or meatballs. And then it'd be like totally okay as RoboCop, like totally violent things. It didn't matter. And I would, you know, stay up and all this stuff. But the, the scary movies of that time, and having a huge sliding glass mirror like those two things were so traumatizing and i think part of it is because the 80s were also kind of spooky for kids there was like poltergeist it's literally a little girl in front of a tv (laughs) with whatever demons poltergeist coming through it or whatever and i was like i always thought about that like i always thought about her or um the weird clown or the tree and poultry guy, like these little things like were in my head. And so I remember being such a scaredy cat at that age that my friend, uh, Steven, who was a kid at the Catholic school, um, his mom was the secretary at the school and they were super Catholic and he had a slumber party and they were like, let's watch a scary, like all that stuff. I'm already getting anxious. And this house uh, Italian Catholic home, crucifixes everywhere. Everywhere you look, there was a crucifix. And I was like, this is scary. Uh, something about it, crucifixes are kind of scary, you know? So the vibe is scary. I don't want to watch a scary movie. I forgot what we watched, but Stephen's older brother was like in high school or something. And he was like, let's play uh, Bloody Mary. And I was huh. like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do not do Bloody Mary. And so he, they're like, okay, go, go in the dark bathroom and say Bloody Mary three times or whatever or for 30. So I forgot the rules. And I was like, I'm not going. And then Steven's brother was like, come hang back with me. And we went outside and we flashed a, a flashlight through the, through the window into the bathroom. And like the boy screamed and, I was like, ah! and it was like, it felt kind of great except for they like they played light as a feather stiff as a board all this stuff and i was like i'm out of here i'm going to bed and so there they have this thing called a rumpus room or something it was like on top of the garage there was an attic and that's where we're all spending the night and stuff i go up to the rumpus room to like try to force myself to sleep and i wake up to these boys playing ouija board on my fat little body like no. They put the Ouija board, and I'm like, "Oh!" And then they're like, "You hit the board. You're gonna die." And I was like, "Yeah!" Like I totally like freaked out. And so there was just like spooky. The '80s were spooky. <laughs> like there was just like there was Freddie, There was Jason. There was Myers. Guys, Michael
1: Myers. All this. Oh, stuff. don't even get me started on Chucky. <laughs> uh, it's fucking, I had this doll that was like she She didn't look like Chucky she was like a blonde but she was like a very realistic looking doll that was about the same size as Chucky yeah. and I I don't know why it lived in my room I was like I don't want this shit in here my mom's like ah, oh, but it belongs on the shelf with the other animals <laughs> you know and I was like get it out but I I do want like I am so curious though about people who because I know people that love horror at, as kids, and even as an adult, like I don't really love. Like I'll watch it sometimes, but I always regret it. Like I, I haven't really gotten over this
0: totally. I feel like I'm still kind of scared of stuff up, but I love scary movies now. Like, oh, you and do? I don't know if it's a way for me to like heal the wounds of the past or feel like some sort of control over it. But I just love like jump scary movies so much and Val does too. And so we used to have this tradition when like the, what are they called? Insidious movies or what are the other ones? Um, I forgot, but like, hold on a second. Hey Val, what was it? scary movies that we'd go take like 10 bomb rips and then go watch? Conjuring. Oh yeah. So
1: Val is Chris's wife. (laughs) <laughs> just for anyone listening <laughs>
0: that, that was my life and I just had to confirm that we'd go see the Conjuring movies when they like opening weekend and we'd take like we lived a block away from the Los Feliz 3 theater we'd take 10 bong rips just uh-huh. to be like we're gonna take 10 and then go see Conjuring movies and it was so scary I mean the first one we ran back to the apartment after we watched it because it was so scary but I think that thrill. Now I like it for some reason. Maybe well, that's, because,
1: that's, yeah,
0: because I know it, nothing's going to happen now. And that when I was a kid, I used I thought something could happen, and now I know that it's safe. So now I'm like, ha ha, yeah. Isn't that funny? You know, I think I, mean, I
1: don't know if that's it could be. So I have two question. I have two questions that are completely different. Um, that's probably good that they're not the same question. Great job, Julia. So, um, <laughs> did you? Ever lie? Like, did you ever pull another scheme like this in your life?
0: Um, no. Other schemes were just like regular, like I don't know if you did these immigrant kid uh, schemes where you go, "Oh, mom, I need a note for school," and she's like, "Ah, her English isn't good," and and I'd do it like right at the last second before leaving the house. She's like, "I mean, to escribilo," like she'd be like, "You write it," and I'd be like, "Oh, no problem." Uh, Uh. we're going on a family trip for the next two days and Chris won't be at school. And I would just like in high school, I was like, I'm going to Tijuana with my friends, baby. Oh, <laughs> like,
1: no. I, yeah. I mean, I would do that in the sense of, you know, Oh, you have to sign this to see my grades or something. But I would never skip school without telling my parents. Cause they, I mean, they just, scared the shit out of me about that. And I was a girl, so like, I think I did it once. I think I skipped school once and I went to like Mattapan, which was like the inner city of Boston, you know, <laughs> and I was like, "Ooh, I'm so bad." Um but so well as so like you're going to be a dad, I'm a mom. Uh we're we're both new to this. So I'm like now knowing this cuz I never thought of the attention thing. Like I don't know, it's blowing my mind right now that it it was possibly like, that fear was a little bit about wanting attention. And I think also maybe related to, I mean, I was around my family all, like, the the no boundaries thing. So it's like, you know, I would close the door to go to the bathroom as a kid, and I would be terrified that something was going to come out of the toilet. Because I was so used to, like, having doors open. And, like, I don't know why I would think that if I was with someone, I wouldn't get killed. Oh,
0: I I I mean, I think that makes more sense than if you're completely alone. And if you're always used to the comfort yeah. of open doors, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I would leave the door open. I'd go to the bathroom. My sister would be like, You're gross. And I'm like, I'm so scared.
0: <laughs> 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 I just didn't want to be alone. So funny.
1: But like, but it's funny your,
0: when I got to college, I'm sorry. When I got to college, um, I lived in a, like, a, I there was I lived with three other guys, and then two two of the guys lived in the middle room, and then me and this other guy had our own separate rooms, and I would keep my door unlocked. Like, I kept it open at night. Like, I didn't close my door in yeah. my own dorm room. And I think it was because all these years, I kept it open, you know? Yeah. And eventually, that I did, sense. and I think I, they thought it was weird.
1: Gosh, I just realized I still keep our door open, my bedroom door. Like even now as an adult, like well, because I guess in my mind there's also no reason to close it.
0: Well, yeah, you know, Look, you I mean, me? it's your house, and yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> but like so now that we both have kids, and and so you know, I do think not to blame our our parents, but. I mean, do you think that you will probably monitor what your child watches so that they aren't terrified of everything? Because I do think that is a huge part to do with it. That like nobody, nobody in my house. I only got monitored if I did something wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, got you know I mean? caught or did something wrong. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and something wrong to them was like. I don't even like for my mom, it was if I wore the shoes in the house, that was like the ultimate sin. And to my dad, I guess it was like, if I bothered him for a ride home from the mall when he had been working all day, like those were like, the <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah. That I had them. but me eating a whole large pizza by myself while watching a porn essentially till 12 AM on a school night. Yeah. It was fine.
0: <laughs> totally. That's so weird that, it's so weird how our parents, there's such a big impact on us and we're kind of hovering around us. And at the same time, it was the Wild West and they yeah. just didn't monitor day to day things like that. Like my parents didn't really check if I did my homework or anything. Oh, no, n- none of that stuff. Like I know some, I guess it's common for people to do that, but like I just don't think when maybe when they came to the United States, Maybe they didn't get the playbook, or maybe they don't. They weren't raised that way, so they don't think to do these things. And oh, you know, yeah, they didn't have TVs when they were small. They they don't know the repercussions of all this stuff. They didn't 100%. have readily uh, available pizza rolls whenever you know. Yeah. And so they just were like, okay, well, have at it. I guess you're uh-
1: yeah. Well, I mean, and I I know for me, becoming a parent and and i'm guessing this will, this probably happens to a lot of people is i've never been more forgiving of my parents because you are this being arrives and i mean your main job is to keep them alive and my husband is always like i know you're going to end up being the one that like says yes too much and spoils her cuz like i can't the second she looks upset, I'm like, uh, I got to pick her up. And he's like, No, she has to do tummy time. Like she's strengthening her neck. And I'm like, But she's crying. You know, like, and like, that's what my mom would do. She'd be like, Look at the girl. She wants a hamburger. You know, like, <laughs> it, it like hurt her. But then I had high cholesterol when I was 11. You know, oh my like, God,
0: seriously? Yeah, you know, my doctor
1: is like, What is she eating? And I was like, Sometimes I take pats of butter out of the fridge. And my mom's like, oh, she like it the butter? Like, it was the cholesterol
0: all the 50-year-old detective. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, I, it it does make me, I am curious to see which of those things, I don't think I'm going to be the kind of parent who's like, now you can only have one suite a month and, you know, always have to go to bed at this time. But I also don't want to go so far that direction that my parents did. again. They, they did what they thought was best because I do think that it set me up to be I mean, a, a very frightened child with high cholesterol, you know, like with <laughs> potential heart disease.
0: It's so funny because I know that both of our parents tried so hard and so tried hard. their absolute best more than anything for us to grow up well, you know. But these little small things that end up being big things are, you know, they're kind of huge. And so I feel I'm also lucky that Val is the opposite of me. She like grew up uh, like Midwestern and practical and so stuff. So we We did the right thing.
1: We did. We did.
0: We, we lucked out because like, I've, I mean, we've talked about this before, but like Halloween like that candy had no chance of making it back to my house. Like oh. I was, just like, I just like yeah. scarfed it all. And then Val was like, "I would eat one every day, and I would parse it out till Christmas or something." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I hope our daughter has some of that too." <laughs> you know, like, do you,
1: like um, do you feel like it? It caused you to have a lack of dis- like self discipline. Yeah, I
0: feel like I have a lack of. Well, I eventually became more disciplined, but I'm still not disciplined in a lot of ways and pretty impulsive. Uh, Yeah. I feel like I probably get from my parents. But, like, you know, I'll just feel like, you know, I'll just eat the whole pizza, you know, (laughs) I'll do whatever. I'm never, like, never really containing myself from doing any of that stuff. But I do. But I think some of that also, if I think about it, stems from their anxieties. Like when I was recording Scattered and I was talking to my mom about all this stuff that I had- Podcast, listen to Scattered. And I was talking to my mom about stuff that I had never talked to her about before, like on a deeper level. And like, what were the first days of the United States like when you came here from Cuba? And my mom was like, I didn't know the language. I didn't know everyone. I would eat a whole loaf of bread every day. And then when I heard that, I was like, (laughs) I was like, that's where I get that from. (laughs) Like, I'll just like panic eat a whole thing and of of whatever. And I was like, oh, that's like ingrained in my head. Like I I probably through osmosis or, you know, nurture or whatever, some of these things have trickled down to me, you know, so.
1: I mean, my parents. De- my mom definitely used food to comfort. Yeah, you know, it was she's upset. You know, let's get her some Chinese food, that kind of thing. Um, so you ca- you mentioned many times that you were a fat kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, were you like heavy set? Like, was that like a thing for you a lot when you were growing up? You know, I wasn't the biggest
0: kid, but I was. My sister nicknamed me Pudge, and. I think that may have given me a complex now that I look back on it. But I was like – I pretty much looked like the neighbor kid in the Cosby show. Like the the like the kid across – Rudy's friend from across the street. The white one like with the bangs. The white one with the bangs. Like I yeah. was just like that pudgy. Or like uh, to use another reference, probably like Jamie from Small Wonder. Like the boy from Small Wonder. I was oh, probably that yeah. type of pudgy. I wasn't like the biggest kid, but um, I, I was – you know, pudgy like that.
1: You know, I'm also thinking. I'm I'm curious. If this is true for you. Like a lot of immigrant families, you know they they really instill a sense of closeness of siblings and family in general. Um, you know, I know for me, I I could have lived with my parents until now if I wanted. You know, if I was that would have been fine. My mom grew up with six brothers and like a three bedroom apartment you know like all that kind of stuff and so it was so encouraged from that like my sister was my best friend and like my sister my like you guys are sisters you guys are sisters you guys are just and so when she went away to college I was in high school so it you know was it was better I wasn't as scared in my own room but when she went away to college I was like what like I didn't know I feel like I didn't know how to do anything because I she's my older sister and I relied on her. Like my poor sister, and I wonder if your sister was the same way, like she was because she was older, she got assigned with um translating the VCR directions calling to to help my dad with a credit card application that's you know
0: service doing she, your yeah, crap stuff
1: yeah she, we have all these videos from like disney world where like for some reason she's carrying the the camcorder which is like you know 50 pounds it's like that eighties, and she's like but i want to say mickey mouse like she's only 12 you know like she's not That much older, and they're like Elena, uh, record your sister. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, look at me dance, you know. But but my poor sister was like assigned all these, you know, basically like like secretarial tasks in the house, plus. She was who I went to for like, how do I exist? Plus she was who I went to to be like, wait, I think this thing that mommy and daddy do is weird. Cause none of the like American kids do it. And so when she left, I know for me at age, I guess it was 14. I was like, <gasps> like, I don't what like, and then I'm calling her at college and she's like, yeah, I'm like going to like a keg party. Like I'll talk to you later. You know, like yeah. she was trying to, it was her first time on her own she didn't really need she couldn't do like emotional she was there for me of course but it was i needed her like by my side
0: all Right. that i that resonates with me uh big time because all that stuff from my sister basically being 12 years older basically raised me she was like kind of an aunt slash sister or like a mom you know like i would Even as a means of babysitting, like I would chaperone her dates. Like I would have to go on her dates when she was, yeah, she was like, she'd be like 18 and I would be six and I would just go on this date with her and whatever dude. Well, she had a, she had a boyfriend for a couple years in high school and I went on the dates and I think
1: it's chaperone or as being babysat.
0: It was as a chaperone but I think it would really was for babysitting. Like my parents were like, this guy's a little older than my sister and, um, you should, we should have him this should be supervised, but also it'd be nice to have Chris out of the house or, or have Chris have some babysitting for Chris. So I would straight up, I remember, uh, this guy ended up being my getting married to my sister, but he took her to a fancy dinner and it was at that, um, weird dome restaurant at lax that's what they thought was like hip and cool in the 80s like so we were like went to the airport for this dinner and i remember i had had, like an eight dollar soup which is like very expensive for that time you know and then um but it was like something i wasn't used to it was like some i don't know what it was um but I just totally barfed it all over his car. <laughs> like, okay. Just like a little, I was just like would tag along and kind of ruin their dates. And and sometimes they'd like, give me like a stack of quarters and be like, have fun at seven 11 playing street fighter or whatever. And so I would just like, <laughs> or they'd go to the movies and then they'd see one movie and they're like, go see whatever you want. And then be like, okay, well, you know, National Lampoon's Vacation 2, or whatever, European Vacation, or whatever movie. That's my favorite movie ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But, so I was, I was close to my sister, and I saw her all the time, and she also, I think the thing that really uh, I related to the most was that she was the one that was like, is this weird that, like, Laura, is this weird that mom and dad do this? And she'd be like, yeah, it's weird, but just go along with it. They'll like, she would just kind of like mentor me when I thought my parents yeah. were like, or I'd be like, Lord, like, I remember to my, I went to this birthday party for my friend Marwan, who is Lebanese in second grade. And I was like, Mom, I need to, um, it's Marwan's birthday party. We need to get him a present. And so my mom gets, thinks Marwan's a girl and gets this like Cuban perfume. and a, And like, I didn't know what it was. And we're opening it at this like, mcdonald's playground and everyone's giving him like gi joes and i was like do you like rosas y violetas (laughs) my mom thought you were a girl and and my sister would be like it's mom mom didn't know marwan honestly it could be a girl's name (laughs) like like and she would be like you know she would be my buffer they're kind of a buffer between you and your parents so my sister would like or be like right she'd be like hey Dad and mom are kind of stressed out right now. Like, can you cool it? Or if you need help with this, can you talk to me instead? She would kind of like mediate all the stuff yeah. between us. And once that was gone, I was just like, "Whoops, uh, yeah. I'm just the number two, huh?" <laughs> like, you know, like
1: I don't know. Well, I mean, I, so I don't know if I, I don't think we're going to have a second child well, you know, who knows? I'm a little older. Uh, I, you know, I definitely don't want to have a second one in a pandemic. It's been amazing, but I don't know. So it might just be one. And I know that that's pretty common now. So I know she'll probably have very good friends that are like siblings, but I do. And I also know that there's no guarantee that she'll be close with her. Like I know plenty of people who are not close with their siblings, Like they don't talk, they never got along. And I Whereas I'm like, oh, if I, I don't know what my life would have been like without my sister. Like I struggled so much with how, quote unquote, weird my family was that she was the only thing that like she, she relates. Even to this day, I'll call her. I'll be like, I'm feeling this and it's probably because of this. And I was raised like this. And it's not like blame. It's just we psychoanalyze so much together. And so I do feel kind of bad that like my kid might not have that. And it's something I think about a lot, you know? And so I feel this extra pressure to like not be dysfunctional because I'm like, well, they're just going to have to have a best friend or a therapist, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know. Um,
0: oh, that's interesting. So yeah. they can't help each other out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's tough because I feel like I had half and half. Like I had, yeah. I was like, I became an only child at eight years old, you know? Yeah, that's true. So, It would have been nice to have someone, though, to be like, (laughs) to relate to. So it wasn't just always me versus my parents. I mean, my sister was always there when I needed her. But, yeah, that's interesting. But I think it's just more common now to be an only child. And I think, you know, and I think it's going to be, I think they'll adjust. And, you know, I know you and Will do a good job. And, you know, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm going to be perfect.
0: uh, Yeah, I mean. You're not going to fuck this up. Yeah, you're Uh, not going to fuck this up.
1: So how did you, and it's my last question for you. So how did, you know, like what was the thing that changed that made you, so I know, you know, you stopped lying because you wanted to get off the wheel of death and, and you know, you started feeling bad, but then was it just time and growing up that helped you be less scared or like, did, like what shifted from this like terrified of being alone without your sister to being, I guess, independent?
0: Um, you know, I don't think it happened overnight. I think it was part of it was just age. I think the instant shock of not having my sister there. I think that was pretty difficult, but I think I just got used to it over time. You know, I don't know if there's one thing that happened or one situation that happened other than just maybe getting a little older. Um, yeah. I did see like a child psychologist for a bit, but I think that was just weird. I don't think it was ever helpful. I always felt like it was just kind of weird. But that was around around that time. I was like, why am I talking to this weird guy?
1: Did your parents send, you or did school send you? Uh,
0: my parents did. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, because I think I was just out of. Oh, and then there was also there was the McMartin preschool trial, which was I don't know if you knew about this, but it was it was a nationally known trial that in Manhattan beach where I ended up going to high school, there was like a kindergarten that like molested all the kids or a preschool. And what? so there was just all this stuff around at that time that I think just was scary to me, you know? Oh, it just yeah. so like, And so, but I think maybe as I got old, like things just changed. I was like, I think yeah. that was more like the mid eighties. And then when I got in junior high, I was just fine because not- i were just a pervert. And then you, you, just, <laughs> you, take you take remember? care of yourself that way.
1: <laughs> Do you remember um uh the the made for TV movie? I know my first name is Steven. No. It was about a kid being kidnapped. I think it was called I th- my first name. I think my first name is Steven. There was about a, a kid being kidnapped. I believe he was put in the blue van, the my dad's van. <laughs> and I was my dad, was about my dad. I uh, know. And this guy, like, you know, t- the the typical like kept him locked in a a wherever and molested him and stuff like that. And it was like a made for TV movie that I like watched with my mom when I was seven, I think, and was absolutely. F- frightened nonstop like it was like why was I watching that
0: that's so crazy not monitoring
1: like nine (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean that's so crazy yeah but uh well we're gonna do the best weekend with our children I have no doubt about it you're gonna be such a good dad thank you I
0: I hope so I got uh, I got big shoes to fill but I feel good about it I feel like I, before I, I never felt ready and now I just feel so excited and ready. And I think it's just I don't know. It's gonna be so cool. And I'm yeah. just so excited to love up this little this little kid and you know, see him have a good life. I think Yeah, awesome. and everything
1: that like you know, everything that happened to you positive and negative as a kid is just gonna inform how you raise your kid. And it's, you know, yeah, it's a very I'm excited to talk to you in like six months. I <laughs> know, We'll talk off the pod, but yeah, yeah, we'll do it off of the
0: pod. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm Val and I talked about. It's like, oh my god, what what's it going to be like when we see them do things that we do that we don't like about ourselves?
1: Oh. Like, oh my gosh, that's going to be so crazy. Well, I will say this: the and the big realization I had because you know, I know for me, self love is probably a project that will be going on for the rest of my life. Um, you know uh, it, it. Yeah. I just think it's something, maybe this is true for everyone, but I know for me, like true self-love and acceptance is something that, you know, I feel like I work on all the time and seeing my child when she makes these faces or like her, I get a glimmer of her eyes where she looks like me and like my heart, like I love her so much that I'm like, well, I can't love her. And not love myself because she's a part, like, she's a part of me. It's, I I don't know. I'm literally getting chills just thinking about it, but like, it really opens up. Like I thought when I got a dog, my heart opened and now I have this like part of me that is a mirror back to me, you know, positive and negative. I'm sure as she gets older, I'm sure she's going to throw things at me when she's 12 and tell me to fuck off. But like, I'm going to love that part of her too. And, and it, it makes me, it's like, um, yeah, it, it, it does bring up a lot of stuff. And, and I think it's really, it, for me, it's healing to have a kid.
0: Oh, it's that's been. so, that's so beautiful. And I'm so happy you said that. Like I, it just makes me so excited and, it, and yeah. it's, and it's such a beautiful sentiment for you to share and such a beautiful Thing to see someone realize that. Uh oh, that's my phone. Uh, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was the Sincerity Police calling. They're like, Can you cut it yeah, out? Um, You're being uh, <laughs> it's too <yeah>. much. <laughs> um, no, it's too <laughs> But it's really beautiful for that to happen to you, and I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm excited to do this myself. It's so cool. You know, I think yeah. you know, we like know each other a little bit. But we can be friends. Like, we're oh, like,
1: I? Like, yeah. I mean, now that I know about, like, I didn't even get into it that hard about the being scared because then the podcast would have been five hours long. Yeah. But like, it was such an issue. And for <laughs> you to say that, I'm not glad you went through it too. But like, there's, there's definitely, I mean, it's probably it's. It really came down to anxiety. Like, I think when you really break it down at, at the simplest level, like, you know, if you take off all the layer, like, yeah, maybe it was for parents' attention. And, yes, it was us missing our sibling. And, yes, it was the movies. But it's anxiety. That's totally it. You know? and And, God, if someone had told me when I was eight that I had anxiety and, like, helped me with it – Oh, wait, I would have had that screenplay. Right <laughs> you know, I would have done all the things, but, um, but it's nice not to feel so alone. It was like, oh, my gosh, you too. OK, last question I have for you uh, sh- that I ask all my guests. Should I get bangs? Nah. OK, <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, Chris, anything you want to share with listeners where they can find you all that stuff? uh
0: yeah totally i'm on twitter at underscore chris garcia and on instagram at rad tuna and listen to my podcast scattered uh which i'm so proud of
1: That's oh it. It, i cried when i listened to it. <laughs> i <gasps> cried I, too what's rad tuna mean
0: um well, Chris Garcia is always taken. Um, and so Rad Tuna is the name of my neighbor's speedboat. I had this like white trash neighbor who had a speedboat called Rad Tuna that was just in his driveway all the time. And so I just, um, just called it that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Perfect. Chris, thank you
0: so much. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you, Julia. Okay, you too, bye.
1: Okay, so uh, in this episode, I talked to Chris about you know, we both were very afraid. I guess generally the theme was we're both afraid to be alone, had a lot of anxiety. Um, and I thought that this would be a really good episode to bring my, uh, an expert on, a therapist expert who also happens to be my sister, Elena, to give her insight because she was around when I was that scared little kid. So hi, Elena.
2: Hi. Thanks for
1: having me. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for being here and thanks for being a great therapist and a sister. <laughs> Very convenient for my show. Sure, yeah. Um, wait, you are. What is your exact therapy title?
2: Oh, it's a I'm a master's level clinician, so LMHC, licensed mental health counselor. But it's really funny when clients call me doctor, and I kind of let that thing go for like a minute, and then I'm like, oh, I'm actually not a doctor, but you can call oh. me doctor.
1: <laughs> because like the because you can't. If you were a doctor, then you could prescribe medication,
2: right? Uh, no. So uh, there can be a doctorate psychologist. They don't prescribe, they right. just have more schooling. But a psychiatrist or a psychopharmacologist is a doctorate, um, you know, more medical uh, degree, basically. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, for the purposes of this show, we can call you Dr. Elena. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. So we have Dr. Elena on the pod. And, um, so, yeah. So in this episode, um, Chris, he, 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 I mean, very brilliantly came up with this, like, scheme at age eight to forget the number two because he missed his sister, and instead of, like, he, he so chris has like uh immigrant he has immigrant parents from cuba so he didn't know to express how he felt mm. and instead he was just riddled with fear and anxiety uh i'm sure you can relate mm. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> i i thought for anyone listening who has a child maybe who could be who might be dealing with this it might be interesting to get your insight because you know I don't know what it is I would have wanted differently from, I I don't know why I was so afraid to be alone in my own room as a kid. And I remember like our mom would sit next to the bed until I fell asleep. And so Chris and I were also talking about how like maybe it was like subconsciously an attention seeking thing. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder, you know, I mean, usually fear and anxiety come from a place of, of not having control over something or like a fear of the unknown. So I imagine, you know, his, I guess, coming up with that, which is pretty sophisticated for a kid. I, um, I am curious about the number two now, but I guess yeah. it's any number. Um, you know, I wonder if it just gave him like a sense of control with this situation that he didn't have control over. I mean, because that's what really fear and anxiety is all about. It's, it's not, Um, it's just a fear of the unknown, like what we don't know, you know, and we just, it's very uncomfortable to not know things. I mean, that's why people Google things, because we like to know answers, you know, like, so it's, yeah.
1: And you think that's even true for like a child? Because for for me, I very much always thought like, well, I would also watch horror movies, which scared Mm me. Mm -hmm. And then I thought that like, murderers and killers were going to come out of the mirror on the wall or out from under my bed. And, and so could it have just been, I mean, I'm sure if I didn't watch the horror movies, it would have been better, but like you think even that is somehow related to something that I felt out of control. Cause I knew the horror movies would scare me, but I watched them anyways.
2: Well, you know, what's interesting about that is is sometimes people will so maybe in a way you felt that you can control the situation, like I'm gonna control what's gonna scare me or something. I don't know, like if that was like kind of like yeah. your way of like being able to manipulate the situation, like I'm you know what I mean, like you were in control of watching the movie and when you want to watch it or something versus like being blindsided and scared. It's like a false, ah. I guess it's like a sense of control in a different way. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, So you're like, if I'm going to be scared in life, I guess I'll decide when and how and where and what situation.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I guess, and not to like, you know, Chris and I talked a lot about like not overly blaming parents because, you know, parents do the best they can. Obviously most parents do the best they can. And I guess there was like, I mean, I guess, you know, we came from like a pretty loud household, which was something I couldn't really control. So maybe there was part of that. On hmm. some level. I mean, do you remember that I even hated going to the bathroom with the door open?
2: No, this is interesting to me. Like it's funny how memories are. Like that's a whole subject for another podcast, I guess. But like, yeah, how um memories are different, like even for people who grew up in the same household, like what sticks out?
1: Oh yeah. I used to I am like I want to remember it more, but like I just remember there was a phase where I thought something was gonna grab me in the toilet. And so I would go to the bathroom with the door open. But oh, I also wow. feel like that has something to do with um a lot of, I don't want to speak for all immigrant households because I don't even know if this is an immigrant thing, but our house had like no boundaries. Like we never closed mm-hmm. doors. There was a lot of like being in each other's business. Like, w- so I do think I was almost set up to be afraid to be alone because
2: mm-hmm. something bad's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you weren't a very, you weren't scared of that kind of stuff. You were more scared of like, you were very scared of
2: escalators. <laughs> well, that's a control thing. Like heights. I was afraid of heights. Um, Yeah. Like lots of fears of things that, you know, I think, right. we We grew up we were basically trained to be afraid, basically, of everything. The world's a bad place, everything's dangerous, everything's scary. Just stay home. It's safe, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, but 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 isn't fear sometimes okay. So for example, I am very afraid of uh like skiing or, or mm-hmm. certain there's certain sports that I just I, I don't trust myself to do them, so I'm afraid to do them. And I don't really like either. Yeah. And I don't really believe in the notion of you should always face all like, do you really Mm -hmm. believe you should always face every fear? Like, you know, like, because like when I see people, like, I don't want to bungee jump. I have no desire.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, I guess there's, you know, balance with anything. I mean, one should get out of their comfort zone, that's for sure. So I guess if you're finding different ways to get out of your comfort zone, then you grow, right? But it, depends. You don't have to go bungee jumping, you know, maybe try something else new that's unfamiliar.
1: Yeah. Okay. So uh, if anyone is, so that that's, I guess, about your own personal fear. So if someone finds that they have a child who, you know, let's hypothetically say, uh, won't sleep in their own room because they're afraid of getting killed and they throw up because they're so afraid, what would be your, like, do you think the, you know, like our mom slept by my bed, right? Mm -hmm. And she did this very often. And then I started sleeping in bed with her sometimes. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm a new mom and, and I've already, my husband and I have already started talking about boundaries with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I will, of course, as my child gets older, if she's having a bad night or a bad day, like I'm okay with, coming into our room sometimes, but I, I think I made it a habit. And, and again, I'm not blaming our mom for doing that. She, she cared about me. Like, you know, moms, Mm -hmm. they want to, they don't want their kid to be upset. But so what, what do you think is like a healthy balance there? Like, what would you suggest if you have a frightened child, Mm -hmm. do you think you're helping them get over it by
2: sleeping next to them or what? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was just actually talking to a client today about this. We're talking about attachment styles and secure attachment, and there's actually a theorist called John Bowlby who talks about a secure bond. So I guess the idea with anyone, but especially a child, is you want them to feel like you're there, but you're not—you know—you're not abandoning them, but you're not also like it's—it's it's a balance, right? Like you're not gonna—you're trying to encourage that child to feel safe and trust that you're there but not that they need you you know that they can to soothe them you know the whole idea is is that because then what ends up happening there's this sort of anxious separation anxiety that can develop there's um anxious you know and then uh, adults can grow up needing a lot of reassurance and validation if they are not able to soothe themselves because they de- they depend on external validation external measures to help them feel safe
1: isn't that funny because I always thought that it was the lack of external validation that made you seek it out more so. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I think that's a misconception that if you had, I mean, I guess it's probably true for both. I'm sure there's people who had parents that gave them no validation. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they seek they it neglect. Out. yeah. But I never thought of it that if your parents are like, teaching you, like not letting you ever face your fears, right? Like I had a fear of sleeping alone and I Mm -hmm. didn't really face it until I was like a teenager. Then how would I learn to get over? I mean, it kind of makes me think of, which I know is a very controversial topic, but sleep training, because we just went through Mm -hmm. figuring out how to let our daughter go to sleep in her own room in her crib. She's six months old. And we didn't fully feel comfortable with like crying it out, but we also didn't want to teach her that we were going to be there the end, in- you know, and, and we sort of, I don't know, kind of like intuitively vibed our own way of like, we would comfort her, but then we would let her cry a little bit. And, and I feel like it, for us, it was a nice balance of like, she's learning to self-soothe, but she knows that we're there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're sort of saying the the goal is to kind of carry it's a balance, I guess, is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. And what is that author's the person's name? Uh well the I mean there's lots of them, but this particular one is uh John Bowlby and he wrote a book called Secure Attachment. And you would suggest that a for secure anyone. Secure base, sorry, secure base. Um, I mean it's kind of a, hmm, there's probably others. I mean that's a that's okay. It might be a little like you know, like wordy, but it's, it's, you know, it's got the basis, but you can always like just Google attachment styles and it talks about anxious and um, yeah, kind of learning how to not depend on others for, for that. Wow. Okay, cool.
1: Thank you so much, Elena. And thank you so much to you at home for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the show and I really hope you come back next week. Bye.